Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese history and culture through historical Chinese dramas. We are your hosts, Kathy and Karen. Today, we will discuss episode 60 of Hou Gong Zhen Huan Zhuan, Empresses in the Palace. In the previous episode, the Empress went on the attack. She discovered Jin Xi, Zhen Huan's headmaid, and Su Pei Sheng's, the Emperor's head eunuch's relationship, and promptly sentenced them to hard labor in Shen Xingsi. Jin Huan has been desperately trying to find ways to free her loyal maid, even requesting help from Duan Fei. Let's see if her efforts paid off. As always, if you have any comments or questions, please reach out to us at Kathy at ChasingDramas.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Let's dive right in. The Emperor strides in to Jin Huan's palace in good spirits. The harvest was good this year. The emperor mentions that he paid a visit to Duanfei the previous evening and thought much of what she said made sense. Jin Huan, hearing this news, knows that Duanfei has played her part. Now she must strike with her own ace up her sleeve. What's her ace? Why, the previous empress Chun Yuan, of course. She first showers the emperor with compliments as a leader of the empire. Then, she casually drops Empress Chun Yuan into the conversation, and more importantly, how Jin Xi knew of Chun Yuan. Jin Huan says, if the Empress Chun Yuan was here, the imperial palace must be very different. The emperor is intrigued. You've heard of her stories? Jin Huan continues to emphasize how Jin Xi was able to share these stories. She then calmly asks if Chun Yuan was still alive, how would she handle the situation with Su Peisheng and Jin Xi? Before the emperor can offer any thoughts, Jin Huan cuts him off and suggests that Chun Yuan is very kind. She wouldn't actually want to kill Su Peisheng and Jin Xi. Jin Huan continues by saying that the current empress is sisters with the first empress, so their thoughts are probably aligned. Because the emperor is also forgiving, the current empress most likely will not do anything to counter what he and the former empress would do. These are probably the magic words because the emperor cannot stand the current empress being compared with her sister, and says as much. But it seems like he understands Jin Huan's words and brings up how there are two pregnant concubines in the palace right now. It's not fortuitous to enact any type of execution. Huan Bi, Jin Huan's loyal maid slash half sister, suddenly chimes in about why Jin Huan is currently bi toing or doing her hair, even though it's later in the day, and essentially tells the emperor that Jin Huan hasn't been sleeping well. This implies that the drama with Jin Xi has caused or could cause damage to the babies. Jin Huan cuts Huan Bi off and tells her not to complain in front of the emperor. But the emperor is softened to hear that she's not doing well. I mean, she is pregnant with twins. After some more conversation where Jin Huan continues to be apologetic about what happened with Jin Xi, that she didn't manage her staff well, and how Su Pei Sheng 
the emperor's head eunuch, has been serving the emperor for many years, the emperor decides to step in and release the two from hard labor and return to their original posts. The primary point I want to bring up in this whole conversation is how well Jin Huan has mastered the politics of the imperial harem. She knew exactly what to say to the emperor and exactly whom she needed to bring in to manipulate the emperor. First, in this conversation, she invoked how much Jin Xi knew about Chun Yuan. Previously, Jin Huan was heartbroken about being a replacement for Chun Yuan, but now she uses Chun Yuan as a weapon to her advantage. Because she knows that the emperor has such a soft spot for Chun Yuan, evoking anything she may or may not say will help her cause. She feeds words into Chun Yuan's mouth as to how she may handle this current situation and her forgiving nature. This helps capture the emperor's attention. Jin Huan also most likely trained Huan Bi to say that bit about her not sleeping well. Notice how she only cut Huan Bi off after she said her piece, not before, so as to make it look like she didn't want the emperor to hear these words, but the info is already out there. I'm sure this was planted by the master-servant duo. The other thing I want to mention is that she knew or she heard that the emperor spoke to Duan Fei, meaning Jin Huan knew Duan Fei did her part. Jin Huan didn't need to beg or plead as maybe other folks would do. She pretty much just continued on and said that this was probably normal and focused on Chun Yuan. That's all she needed to do. Something I didn't mention in previous episodes, but is very present in this conversation, is Jin Huan's body language. Notice how when she's talking to the emperor, she is much more demure. Her eyes are generally looking down, very rarely directly at him. She is also smiling in a blushing way. She's trying to gain his sympathy, attention, and affection by being this smaller, more demure woman uh, that has to turn to him for opinions as a way to stroke his ego. But as we've seen her in front of other people, such as An Lingrong or the Empress, and also Qi Pin later in this episode, Jin Huan is definitely not this woman anymore. She may have been at the beginning of this drama when she first entered the palace, but not anymore. Jin Huan is much more confident and brimming with repressed rage. The reason why she can, I guess, play this part so well is because she doesn't have really any emotions left for the emperor, but is merely playing a game. That's how she is able to manipulate him into releasing Jin Xi and Su Pei Sheng. Shortly after, Jin Xi is released from hard labor. Her only punishment is forfeiting one year of salary. The eunuch, Su Peisheng, is also released and allowed to serve by the emperor's side again. All in all, these punishments were extremely light. I'm sure if the empress had her way, both of them would have been tortured and then killed. Interestingly, the emperor is persuaded by the eunuch to allow his relationship with Jin Xi to continue. That's very different to his normal predilection of murder first, ask questions later. Maybe he's going soft? Well, it's time for a morning greeting at the Empress's Palace. We haven't seen one of those in a while. Xin Guiren is waiting outside with some other concubines whom we haven't really met. 
they are gossiping about Jin Huan and Jin Xi. Qi Guirin, who has been finally released from house arrest, saunters in to add her two cents. She sneers and says, If this happened to me, I would just hide for the rest of my life. This is so embarrassing. I do enjoy the attention to detail in this scene, especially the curtsying. Qi Guirin enters, the maids right behind the other concubines first curtsy, then Qi Guirin and her maid curtsy, and then the rest of the concubines curtsy. However, notice Xing Guirin's curtsy is not as deep because she's right now the same rank. Love it. And uh, as a refresher, Qi Guirin used to be a Pin, which is an imperial concubine, but was demoted due to her jealous and abusive behavior. Just as the concubines are gossiping, except for Xing Guirin, which is actually quite a nice touch because throughout the drama, she is one of the few people who do not disparage Jin Huan. Huan Bi coughs to make her and Jin Huan's entrance known. Jin Huan enters and immediately starts schooling Qi Guirin. She has a really nasty and powerful stare going on. Qi Guirin, who always likes to have the upper hand, retorts back. If I've done anything, at least it was just me and not one of my servants. A servant's actions represents her master. Who knows? Her master might just be as bad. Look at the glare Jin Huan gives to Qi Guirin. She is so much more direct now than before. But Jin Huan doesn't even have time to respond before Jin Xi comes with a cloak for her. It's time for Jin Xi to shine. We haven't really seen how eloquent Jin Xi can be, but she just dishes out all of Qi Guirin's insults right back at her to the point where Qi Guirin is literally speechless. It's really quite satisfying to watch. At this point, almost as if on cue, the ladies are escorted into the Empress's palace where the Empress casually comments on the pending return of the 17th Prince, Guo Junwang. There will be a grand banquet for his return and to celebrate the pregnancies of Jin Huan and Shin Mei Zhuang. Someone is uh, very excited to hear this news and it is not Jin Huan. Back at her own palace, Jin Huan receives the newly released Su Peisheng. He expresses his gratitude for her aid in his release from Shen Xingsi, and Jin Huan calmly accepts it. She does, however, warn him to be more careful. The whole situation came to light because of his slip-up. Su Peisheng even straightens up upon hearing this. It was his fault. I mean, he just so happened to hold the pouch that... Qin Xi had uh, embroidered for him, and people saw it. He takes his leave shortly after, but this conversation also had the purpose of strengthening Jin Huan's alliance with Su Peisheng. When Su Peisheng returns to his own residence, he's surprised to see Jin Xi there. He was afraid that all the gossip and the hard labor scared her from wanting to maintain a relationship with him. But, as Jin Xi rightly puts it, why kill yourself just so others can take pleasure? She's happy to be with someone who actually treasures her. That's actually very sweet, and Su Peisheng is very touched. You can see him kind of like tearing up in the scene. This, I think, is also a commentary on the low status that eunuchs have had throughout Chinese history. Eunuchs were at times extremely powerful, but people looked down on them. 
People always commented on how they weren't real people. And I think oftentimes masters didn't treat them as human beings with real feelings. Several emperors died at the hands of eunuchs due to their poor treatment of them. So in this whole story, I think this was a saving grace for the emperor as well, because, I mean, he actually did show mercy to one of his closest friends. The other thing I want to note is this solidifies Chen Huan in the eyes of Su Peisheng. He was, throughout the drama, always relatively nice to her, um, giving her hints on how the emperor was feeling and retrieving her for, um, I guess, whenever the emperor needed help. But now we know for sure that Su Peisheng is going to look out for Jin Huan. Jin Huan protected Su Peisheng because she also wanted to protect her maid, Jin Xi, but she was much nicer than many other masters would have been. The drama between Su Peisheng and Jin Xi comes to a close. The rest of the episode revolves around Jin Huan's pregnancy. It's time for the Mid-Autumn Festival and the ladies are getting ready for the evening's events. Chen Huan has her hair and clothes adorned with gold and red. When her maid Huan Bi walks in, Chen Huan comments on how Huan Bi looks really nice. Honestly, Huan Bi only added a tiny bit of decoration to her person. I don't see a huge difference, but I guess via dialogue, we're supposed to see that she is more done up. Huan Bi responds that she didn't dress up to look good in front of the 17th prince. If Chen Huan dressed up, she would look even better. At this point, I'm thinking Chen Huan is absolutely freaking gorgeous. Bright red lips and her coiffure is solid gold. How much prettier can she get? Jesus. If this isn't dressed up, I don't know what is. Well, Chen Huan joins the emperor and empress, along with other uh, concubines and family members of the emperors, at the Mid-Autumn Festival Banquet. And who just happened to appear? The 17th Prince, the guest of honor. It turns out that the 17th Prince was away for several months and got sick when he arrived at his destination. Thus why he was away for so long and why he looks a little frail. Of course, we and Jin Huan know that he left because he was heartbroken and probably became ill due to Jin Huan returning to the palace. The 17th prince exchanges some pleasantries with the emperor and stoically greets Shen Meizhuang, who is now pregnant, and Jin Huan for her pending birth. Jin Huan is able to not betray any extra emotion when she responds, but you can tell it's tough for her and the 17th prince. Fortunately, Huan Bi is currently a wonderful servant and sister. She can read all of her sister's cues. So, Huan Bi promptly uses the fact that Jin Huan needs to drink medicine as an excuse for her to leave the banquet and get some fresh air. By being outside, this allows Jin Huan to compose herself a bit from the overwhelming feelings she's getting at seeing her love, the 17th prince. Jin Huan and Huan Bi go for a stroll, but the 17th prince comes to find them. Jin Huan initially is reluctant to speak to the 17th prince, but Huan Bi gives them some private space to chat. They clearly care for each other, except in their current circumstances, they cannot spend too much time together. Jin Huan wants him to forget her. She's on this path and there's no looking back. She feels guilty for what she's done, but he still loves her. 
girl, how can you say that you don't care about him or whatever when you're crying at the sight of him and you're just, you're so sad. Of course he's going to be really upset at seeing you cry. The prince looks so dejected. I feel so sorry for him. They return separately to the banquet so as not to arouse any suspicion, but it looks like the conversation was overheard by someone. That was a really creepy shadow, actually, that was uh, shown in the, sh in the drama. I was actually like, oh my gosh, who is this? As they're heading back, Jin Huan is sitting on her litter being carried by a number of eunuchs. Out of nowhere, a bunch of CGI cats appear and attack Jin Huan's group. The eunuchs are unable to hold her up properly and she falls, causing her to gasp in pain and pass out. These CGI cats are quite bad, but I thought they still were pretty effective. It was kind of spooky. Also, mm, let's think, how did all these cats show up? And who have we seen recently with cats? Back at her palace, Chen Huan is now in labor. Four imperial doctors are kneeling quite hysterically, in my opinion, actually, because they, like, can't go inside to see her while she's giving birth. Uh, as the midwives are helping Jin Huan push. Plus, also, if you look at this scene, uh, she's covered by a blanket and there are freaking flower petals on, those, on the blanket. I'm like, um, <laughs> why are flower petals necessary? Oh my god. Well, her trusty friend, the imperial doctor Wen Shu Chu, asks a crucial question as she is screaming for dear life and pushing. If it comes to saving her or the babies, whom should they save? She, of course, says the children must be saved. They must sacrifice her in order to save the children. We know it's because she wants to save her children that are the bloodline of the 17th prince. Uh, this line is really important, though, and will come into play later in the drama. Fortunately, though, after an evening of labor, Jin Huan successfully gives birth to a pair of twins. One boy and one girl. Woo! In Chinese, this is called Long Feng Tai, or the literal translation is a dragon phoenix pregnancy. This, as you could probably guess, is a huge honor and it's incredibly fortuitous. It suggests that peace will come to the empire. Everyone is overjoyed. The emperor is there to see Jin Huan when she wakes up. And shortly after, the Empress Dowager's head maid comes to check on the children and report back to the Empress Dowager. The Emperor, delighted at having a new prince and princess, says that he will promote Chen Huan to Guifei, or noble consort. This is a high honor, but considering that she's now given birth to three children, including a prince, it's quite fitting for her to receive this title. In the midst of the joy, the emperor also formally awards his head eunuch Su Peisheng with Jinxi to be his wife. So all in all, a really great day all around. The funny thing is that even though the initiation of Jin Huan's birth was a little suspicious with the horde of cats that arrived, it worked out perfectly for Jin Huan. We know that Jin Huan is a month later in her pregnancy than most other people were aware of, and so she was actually quite near her delivery date. She had planned with the imperial doctor Wen Shichu to uh, actually medically induce her pregnancy early so as to line up the timeline, but now that medication wasn't needed. 
The rest of the episode revolves around various people meeting the newborns and expressing their euphoria, or at least outwardly expressing their euphoria, for these additions to the royal family. First up is the Empress Dowager. The children are brought to the Empress Dowager's palace, where the Empress and the Emperor are both there, marveling at the newborn children. The Empress Dowager is, of course, very pleased to have new grandchildren. After seeing them, she makes a nonchalant comment about the sixth prince, Jinhuan's newborn son. She says that he is a rather white and fat boy, not like the emperor who was born rather dark. The emperor states it's because Jinhuan is very pale. The empress dowager most certainly didn't mean anything by it, but we the audience know it's because that the children are not the emperors, thus the, uh, the discrepancy. I feel like this line was put into the drama for a purpose. Back at Jinhuan's palace, Jinhuan is speaking with the emperor about how now that she has given birth, she has proven that those nasty rumors about her children were untrue. There was much talk about how her children were not the emperor's children because her belly was too big. But when you have twins, of course, the pregnancy was going to be bigger than usual. At this point, the emperor fully trusts Jinhuan and doesn't suspect a thing. He even says he needs to manage the tongues of people in the imperial harem. Jinhuan tactfully brings up the empress, which prompts the emperor to express some annoyance at how the empress also agreed and uh, like try to warn him about these rumors. As of on cue, the empress arrives. I think she knew that she needed to do some damage control, given that Jinhuan gave birth to twins, and she suspects the emperor may not be pleased with her. Why do we say this? Because when she arrives, she promptly brings up how she doesn't have anything valuable to give to the new children, but remembered that her sister, the first empress Chun Yuan, had a high-quality jade that she, the empress, made into two pendants for the children. This pleases the emperor, and he comments that Chun Yuan's stuff is of course good. He is very glad that the empress is willing to part with it. You know full well, or at least we know full well, that the empress is talking about her sister in order to make the emperor forgive her for what she has done, or at least perpetuated in terms of the rumors. Chen Huan knows this as well. You can see the cuts to her face as the empress is talking. She's looking down with a faint smile. Jin Huan and the Empress both know when to use the dead Chun Yuan to their advantage. Jin Huan did it earlier this episode, and the Empress is doing it now. The Empress continues to bring up how she reviews her sister's belongings from time to time, which prompts the Emperor to note that he hasn't seen her for many months. And look at that. It seems like the annoyance the emperor had with the empress has diminished quite a bit. The empress is intelligent enough to know when to back off because she urges the emperor to go see younger concubines that are uh, prime to give birth before noting that she left her sister's belongings out and needs to return to them. The emperor agrees and that is where the episode ends. By now, the emperor is thinking once again about how this empress is sisters with his beloved Chun Yuan and is likely to forgive her for believing nasty rumors about Jin Huan. 
It seems that the most powerful trump card in the Imperial Harem for both women is the dead Chunyuan. One because Jinhuan looks like her, and the other because they're related. So two things that we want to talk about uh, or highlight now that we're done with the episode. One is Ye Lan Yi. She is the horse tamer maid that became a concubine, but was formerly a maid for the 17th prince. In this episode, we saw her playing with her cat, Tuan Rong, and she also was very excited to see the 17th prince at the banquet when they were all together. Very important pieces of information for us in the future. The other main piece to note is that right after Jinhuan gave birth, she started coughing. It turns out a maid, Fei Wen, opened the windows by order of the imperial doctors, but unfortunately that led in a draft causing Jinhuan to start coughing. This angered the emperor, who punishes this maid to 20 slaps to the face. Fei Wen, the maid, was very upset by this, but there's not much she can do. This will come back to bite Jinhuan in the future. Okay, that was it for the recap. Let's get on with some analysis. There is a little bit to discuss today. First, let's start off with a poem called Ba Zhi. The poem is named as such because there are eight zhis in the poem, or the eight extremes. The lines are Zhi Jin, Zhi Yuan, Dong Xi, Zhi Shen, Zhi Qian, Qing Xi, Zhi Gao, Zhi Ming, Zhi Yue, Zhi Qin, Zhi Shu, Fu Qi. Jin Huan recites this poem at the end of the episode as she and the emperor are discussing her innocence amidst all the rumors. After Jin Huan says these lines, she says that as long as the emperor believes her, they will be the most intimate husband and wife. So what do these lines mean? Here's my translation. The closest and the farthest are east and west. The shallowest and the deepest is a clear stream. The highest and the brightest is the earth and the moon. The most intimate yet most alien are husband and wife. Chen Huan talks about these lines or recites these lines because according to this poem, you can be the most intimate husband and wife, or you can also be the most alien husband and wife. As long as the emperor believes her in her innocence, they will be the most intimate husband and wife. These lines were written by the Tang Dynasty female poet Li Ye. Pretty cool, right? She was born around 730 AD and died 784 AD. Li Ye was known as one of the four female poets of the Tang Dynasty. I wasn't familiar with her work, but after doing some research, uh, she has a fascinating yet sad story. Li Ye's talents were evident even as a young child, but her father didn't really want to encourage her. So, she was sent to a Taoist temple when she was only 11 and became a Taoist nun. Nevertheless, she continued to write poems and became great friends and acquaintances with some of the most famous male poets of the day. She fell in love but was spurned, yet she still continued to write. Her understanding of love and the world shaped her writing style and as a nun, she was able to write poems such as Ba Zhi without being kind of like scorned upon by the world. 
The last line of this poem highlights her understanding of the world, and I think it's quite illuminating. Late in life, the emperor heard of Li Ye's poetry and talents, so he summoned her to Chang'an, the capital at the time. Her stay in Chang'an turned out to be her nightmare. Shortly after arriving in Chang'an, the general Zhu Zi rebelled and invaded the capital city. The emperor fled the city, but Li Ye was not one of the lucky ones to be able to do so. Captured, she was brought in front of the newly self-proclaimed emperor, Zhu Zi. He demanded that she write a laudatory poem about him. Under threat, she did. The following year, a Tang Dynasty general, Li Sheng, successfully routed the rebels in Chang'an and killed Zhu Zi. The previous emperor reclaimed his throne. But unfortunately, this emperor wanted to make examples of anyone who praised the traitor. And Li Ye was one of them. For her poem, she was sentenced to prison and beaten to death in 784 AD. Damn, that sucks. Yeah, I mean, it's a crazy story. Her life was fascinating. She, she fell in love twice. She wrote poems about her experiences. Like, this is crazy. She fell in love with a monk. Which, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a good idea. Lastly, let's talk about Jin Huan's children. In the drama, she just gave birth to the sixth prince or Hong Yan. In history, Hong Yan was born in 1733 in Yuan Mingyuan. His mother was Qian Fei, someone that doesn't exist in the show. He is Yong Zheng's last and youngest son. That's all we'll disclose for now. His real-life historical counterpart does have an interesting storyline, so we'll save that for later. As for Jin Huan's daughter, she does not exist in history, so she's just here for the story. That is all for today's episode. Jin Huan successfully gives birth to her and the 17th prince's twin children, much to the relief of everyone in the palace. This is a big triumph for her, and I'm sure she feels a sigh of relief that her children are healthy. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the discussion, and we will see you in the next episode. As always, if you have any comments or questions, feel free to email us at karenandkathy at chasingdramas.com.